First, let me tell you about the zebra. Some facts are fun, like first oranges weren't orange. They were actually green. Armadillo shells are actually bulletproof. Really? Hey, uh, apparently I've so. I've been shooting at armadillos. Yeah, I, I know. You know. <laughs> it's not working. Mm. Americans overspend on insurance by $21 billion every year. That's a fact that you really, you, you should know. You should know. That's where the zebra can help you. They compare car and home insurance quotes from every major provider in under five minutes, giving you all the facts you need to make the right decision for you all for free. It's the fastest way to find the right coverage at the right price, all from a provider that you can trust. In fact, the zebra saves shoppers an average of $922 on home and car insurance combined. That's a fun fact. The zebra thezebra.com slash Beck. Go there now. Thezebra.com slash Beck and save a buttload of money. All right. Mr. Ben Shapiro is coming up in just a couple of minutes. Stand by. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program, Mr. Ben Shapiro, talking about the growing authoritarian state and his new book in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Real estate agents I trust is the place to go if you're going to take a plunge into the real estate game anytime soon. It is crazy that what's happening in the market is crazy. The new homes are not selling anymore. They're kind of back to the way they were when we were first getting into COVID. Nobody is buying them because they've gotten so overpriced. However, your home, uh, an existing home, those sales, sales are still up. So you have to be careful on the buying and the selling of your home. Simple fact is this. You need more than just a real estate agent. You need somebody who's going to do more than just, you know, show you listings or show your house. You need somebody who is full time driven to succeed, helping you succeed, who knows the best practices that make that happen. We have a whole list of those people all over the country, and it's a free service to you. If you're buying or selling, whether you're moving across the street, across town or across the country, Real estate agents I trust can find the right real estate agent for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Mr. Ben Shapiro is uh, joining us. He is uh, he is the intellectual powerhouse of the right now and been a friend for many, many years. And I respect him, and he is the one guy who writes a lot of books that I will always read his books because they are always really well thought out um intellectually solid and uh never go for cheap shots mr ben shapiro how are you sir hey doing okay how are you i'm i'm good i'm good i'm excited i haven't read your new book but i've heard you talk about it an awful lot i listened to your podcast when was it last night uh when you were doing the book signings 
Uh, and and I want to actually take you through some of the things that you played, some of these uh, authoritarian moments as we go. But first, give the setup of the book. What are you talking about in it? So basically, the book begins with looking at January 6th, which the left has declared is the authoritarian moment in modern American history, that the democracy is on the verge of, over being, of being overthrown, that, that Donald Trump is this great authoritarian figure, and that the right is the true threat to American freedom. Mm-hmm. And then I ask people to analyze, you know, what exactly happened on January 6th and beyond? Because what really happened is that a breakaway group, a much larger group, committed criminal activity. They were all arrested. They're all going to go to jail. And within three hours, order had been restored and the government went on as though nothing had happened. Then, in the immediate aftermath of that, AWS, Amazon Web Services, deplatformed Parler completely. Most major Democrats started calling for significant curbs on First Amendment freedoms. You started to see neutral service providers talking about cracking down on quote-unquote extremism. Donald Trump was thrown off all the social media platforms. Corporations started to put out statements basically suggesting that you had to mirror particular political viewpoints on January 6th. Or corporations said we're just not going to give donations to anybody who questioned the, the results of the election, even though they would certainly not do the same with Democrats. So the question is, if you're talking about actual authoritarian threats, then who's that actually threatening? Right? Who, who are the institutions that are threatening? And I think most Americans instinctively know the answer. And the answer is not, you know, the idiots who invaded the Capitol building. The, the people who are a true threat to your way of life right now are the people at the head of every major institution, ranging from the scientific institutions to the educational institutions to your corporate bosses. And they have the power to really wreck their life in some pretty significant ways, even outside of the offices of government. You know, we have been uh, pretty close to this point before with Woodrow Wilson. Um, But you can excuse the American people at the time to some degree because uh, authoritarianism was this new idea. And with the with the um, progressives, using science uh and saying look it's a whole new age you know we came from farmers and now we're in the scientific age and anything is possible you can kind of dismiss it but what joe biden is doing right now a lot of this really comes from the woodrow wilson playbook and i think it's just as racist and just as nasty as when he was doing it i mean i think that when joe biden goes around saying knowing full well that he's lying that voter ID laws are akin to Jim Crow racism, yeah. or that what happened on January 6th is the worst insurrection that we've seen in the United States since the Civil War, or that Republicans broad writ are, are just trying to return us to the days of the Civil War. I mean, this kind of stuff is extremely ugly. It's extremely divisive. It is the opposite of what he promised that he was going to be when he became president, right, which is this sort of unifying, right. moderate figure. He's not been any of, of those things. I think what makes what, what's going on truly unjustifiable is not just that we've seen the consequences of, of this sort of activity before, it's that at least you can say that during Woodrow Wilson's administration, we were in the middle of a world war. And during FDR's administration, we we're in the middle of another world war. Right now, we are involved in zero major wars anywhere around the world. We're the unchallenged global hegemon. And yet we're tearing ourselves apart internally going after dissenters, which is kind of a unique thing. Oh, I think we are at war. We, the America is at war, but it's at war with itself. I mean, right. it's, it's completely lost its way um, because we've had people teaching our children for a while now. Uh, that we're a horrible, horrible place. And uh, I don't know if people are buying it or not. I mean, they usually buy these things. I want to take you to one of the uh, authoritarian moments. This is from 1933. It's a, uh, it's a parade. Tell me why this is important. In September 1933, the government sponsored a spectacular parade up New York's Fifth Avenue to promote an unprecedented federal effort 
the National Recovery Administration. Roosevelt called the NRA a partnership in planning between government Jeez. and industry. Its goal, to speed recovery by establishing profit levels for business and wage levels for labor. In a show of national solidarity, more than two million employers across the country promised to abide by the NRA codes. Russia hails victory in Moscow's Red Square during her May Day parade. Above uh, we'll get to that other clip in a minute. Uh, so tell me why that parade was important. So the General Goldberg talks a lot about this in liberal fascism, but the, the sort of economically fascist system was reliance on private businesses being overseen and working in cahoots with big government. And big government would essentially charter these industries and then tell them what to do. And industrial magnets do, well, I guess it's better than the communists. And then they would go along with it. Well, the National Recovery Administration was an effort overtly by the federal government to force businesses into doing what they wanted. You were supposed to put a symbol up in your window, the Blue Eagle. You were supposed to put it up in your window. And Americans were, were literally supposed to boycott businesses that didn't put the Blue Eagle in their window. Well, I, I think that we can see uh, some pretty resonant echoes of that today in modern American politics when you have the government, members of the Democratic Party calling on corporations, social media companies, for example, to do their bidding. And then suggesting that perhaps, you know, maybe there needs to be an AstroTurf boycott of particular businesses if they refuse to do that bidding. We saw the oh, results I, of this when, when Major League Baseball just pulled out of Georgia, for example. We're talking to Ben Shapiro, author of the brand new book that's out today, The Authoritarian Moment. Um, I think it's even more clear um, with ESG scores. I mean, this is the government getting into bed with uh, global corporations, banks now providing a ESG score. And if you're not playing ball with the government and with, uh, you know, the environmentalist and social justice members, your score will go down. And in Europe, they're now proposing that you cannot do business with any business that has a lower ESG score than you do. Yeah, I mean, you see it also in, in places like California that have attempted to actually pass laws leveraging people onto boards of corporations. If, if your corporation is Correct. large enough, then we now have to put a certain number of people of particular races or sexual orientations on the board of the corporation. I mean, this is, this is truly totalitarian stuff. And what's even more totalitarian in effect is that the corporations then shovel this garbage down on the people who work for the corporation. So it's easy, you know, Glenn, you're, you're able to speak freely because that's what you do for a living. I'm able to do it because that's what I do for a living. They can threaten our livings, but they're never going to be able to take away all of our livings. We have too many people who are interested in hearing what we have to say. But if you're just a guy working at a corporation, it's very easy for the corporation yeah. to get you to, to mirror their prescriptions because you got to put food on the table for your family. Well, that's the thing that I like about um, this book is you're not just coming with the problems. You actually have the solution. And, and uh, I think the way you have phrased this is really appealing. I've been talking about Martin Luther King I hate boycotts, and I know you do too. Stu does. But Martin Luther King says, if we wouldn't have done the boycott, if we wouldn't have had the teeth, it, it wouldn't have worked. We wouldn't have had the Civil Rights Act passed. Uh, and they are coming after us, and we just keep taking it, and we don't come after any of the companies that are shoveling this crap. Explain your position yeah, on this. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I hate boycotts. I mean, I'm in an industry where you and I are routinely hit by people trying to yeah. go after our advertisers. Right. But here's the reality. There has to be a mutually assured destruction here. If, if these corporations are only caving to one side, there's a tremendous asymmetry. You'll see a corporation that receives 10 tweets, and then you'll get a call from your ad broker saying, well, they've, they've removed their advertising because they got 10 tweets. And the answer to that isn't, oh, well, you know, they're, they're a private business. They can do what they want. They can. But they can also feel the blowback from the other side. 
And so what we've done at our company, for example, is we said to advertisers openly, quite openly, that if you want to advertise on our show, you're, you're, you can pull your advertising anytime you want, but you, you're not allowed to announce it publicly. If you do announce it publicly, you're going to have to pass out. And not only that, you understand that if you make a public statement about our shows or our audience, we'll go to war with you. I mean, this is, we, we cannot, mm-hmm. we take our brand's value in, in you know, dealing with advertisers that, that we believe in. And you don't get to just undercut us that way with our own audience without right. us blowing back on you. And, and I think that broadly speaking, that's what the right needs to do at this point. If you're going to see MLB pull out of Atlanta, then they need to feel it in the ratings. If yeah. the NFL starts to go woke, they need to feel it in the ratings because I would prefer that we go back to neutrality, but we're never getting back to neutrality unless the left learns that, that this stuff is bad. And this, this really is important. You talk about this with um, uh, offices. You know, so many people just feel they're alone and they're not alone. They're in the majority, but nobody's afraid. Everybody's afraid to say something and you don't know who to trust. And so they just go in and they abide by these stupid things that they have to do, you know, examine their whiteness at Coca-Cola, et cetera, et cetera. And you're suggesting that they form a coalition, Right. I mean, this is what we have to understand about how these institutions weren't left in the first place. It wasn't because a broad majority of these institutions is in favor of these radical left policies. It's because you have a 10, 15, 20 percent of the people at any given corporation who are very loud and very intransigent. And then you have a bunch of people in the middle who just say, well, it's easier to give in to them than, than to fight them. And do we really want the headache? Well, you can do the same thing from the opposite point of view. You can renormalize an institution. If you have 20 percent of the corporation that says, listen, we just want to be neutral here. And it won't be 20. It'll be more like 50. And you get those people to sign a letter to the corporate head saying, listen, we're not doing this. This whiteness is bad. Diversity training with Robin D'Angelo nonsense. We're just we're not going to do it. We, we, we think that it's bad and we're, we're not willing to do it. Then the corporation has to decide between the 50 percent and the 20 percent. Right now, the corporation is deciding between the 20 percent and the zero percent. if People don't get mobilized and unified. Um, explain your theory on veganism, because I think this is a great okay. example. Yeah, so, I mean, to, to give full credit to the person who, who kind of gives this metaphor, uh, and Nicholas Taleb, his metaphor is basically, let's say that you have a family of four, and one of the members of the family, usually the daughter, comes home and says, I'm a vegan today. Uh, and because I'm a vegan, mom, I need you to make me a vegan meal. And so mom now has a decision. She can make a meat meal for the rest of the family and a vegan meal for the daughter, or she can say to the whole family, listen, I don't have time. We're all eating vegan tonight. Well, now the daughter has successfully renormalized the family. The entire family is now eating vegan because you had one intransigent person who just refused to budge. Now you can take that entire family. There's a block party that night. There's maybe three other families there. They go to the people throwing the block party. They say, listen, we're all eating vegan because our daughter's eating vegan. You can give us a separate meal. That's fine. But you know, we're, we're just not going to eat the meat. Now the person who's the head of the block party has to decide whether to make a couple of separate meals. And maybe she says, well, you know, it's probably not worth the hassle. It's one night. Who cares? People can go vegan for one night. And now you got 16, 20 people who are all eating vegan because one person was intransigent about eating vegan. The same thing holds true in politics, and you see this all the time. This is this true in corporations. Yeah, th- this is uh, tyranny of the minority. It is, and and it and it can only work under a couple of conditions. One, you do need sort of a baseline level of support for the thing, usually about 15, 20 percent inside an organization. Two, you need to have them asking for incremental, non-supremely radical things. So this is what the left does. They don't go right away to, we need Robin D'Angelo teaching you the whiteness is bad. They start with, we need diversity training. Are you against diversity? Why don't you like diversity? Diversity is good. Are you racist? And then it moves on to, well, you know, diversity training really has to encompass teaching about the systemic racism of the American system. Mm -hmm. And don't you think that, that systems have histories? 
And then they move from systemic racism to, well, you know, if we're going to acknowledge systemic racism, we, we certainly have to acknowledge that you are a beneficiary of white privilege. And if you're a beneficiary of white privilege, this means you suffer from whiteness. You can see the sort of step-by-step encroachment. Right. But the key is you don't go zero to 100 all at once. You, you start by, by slowly pushing the pedal, and eventually the pedal gets to the metal. Most people have to be acclimated to it. And if every concession seems like a minor concession, pretty soon you've moved a really long way. And this is true for virtually every social issue in the United States. I mean, how do we go from you know, the, the, a time when Americans were you know, thinking that no-fault divorce was, was controversial to men can be women and women can be men? I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. That takes a while, but it takes a lot of conciliation. It takes a lot of cowardice. And it takes a lot of incrementalism. The book that is out today is The Authoritarian Moment with Ben Shapiro. More with him in 60 seconds. Uh, I buy precious metals like gold and silver uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm a collector of antique things, and these are antique coins, but also as a hedge against insanity. Gold always is the, is the, uh, the, the fault the, or the uh, default when everything got, has gone insane and there's nothing left, we reset to gold. In case you haven't noticed, there's an awful lot of insanity on the menu these days. Federal government is spending the U.S. dollar into the ground. And it's, I mean, it's predictable. We're not, the, the phrase uh, history repeats itself is not the right phrase. History is repeating itself right now. Goldline is giving away free silver with their extremely popular $5 gold Indian coins. With every qualifying order, you'll receive 10 brilliant uncirculated silver Kennedy half dollars at no additional cost. It's a great special on an already low cost item. If you're thinking about gold or silver, this is the perfect promotion for you from Goldline. They're standing by to talk to you about it. No pressure. Just get the information. 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or go to goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Robert Reich uh, just tweeted out, in November 1923, Hitler's attempted coup failed, but no one was held accountable. Um, Yeah, they were. He went to prison. Ten years later, he took over Germany. Trump's January 21 uh, coup failed, but six and a half months later, Trump faces no consequences and his co-conspirators are still in Congress. Is Trump an authoritarian? I mean, Trump certainly didn't behave like an authoritarian in terms of what he was actually able to get done. Right. I think that Trump, has, he, he, he tends to use some strongman rhetoric because that's yes. just how he talks. Right. Um, but, you know, in terms of what did he actually do, the answer, of course, is no. I mean, this is why I was hysterically funny and, and pathetic when General Milley was talking about how this was like a Reichstag fire situation and he's a Hitlerian figure. It's like, what? I mean, you know how historically ignorant you have to be in order to come up with that? First of all, it doesn't even make any internal sense. The Reichstag fire was set by a deranged communist and then used as an excuse by the Nazis in order to pass the Enabling Act. So what was Trump's theory there? I'm going to send some of my friends over to, to set the Capitol on fire so I can then, what, declare myself total dictator? That doesn't, that doesn't even work internally. Beyond that, there was no institutional support for anything that Trump was saying or doing. And beyond that, this is not Nazi Germany circa 1932. I mean, the, the reality of, of Hitler's rise is so wildly misunderstood by people who have never read a book that it's kind of insane. I mean, people have to understand that when it comes to Hitler's rise, the key factor in, in Hitler's rise, there were two major key factors in Hitler's rise that people tend to ignore. One is that Hitler was pushing against the communists at the time. And so there were a lot of people who felt the necessity to choose between one and the other. Uh, and the other is that 
the the power of the German government had already been centralized. Hitler was, was a was a late term dictator. They, they'd already been operating under the auspices of minority governments with nearly dictatorial powers for right. several years by the time Hitler took took power. That is not the case with regard to, to President Trump in any way, shape, or form. So the, the, the historically the, the historical analogy just just doesn't work in any way. But I guess if you say Hitler and over and over, then then a president who was attempting to cut regulations and lower taxes suddenly looks like the guy who was trying to imprison every Jew and, and, and gas them and invade half of Europe. I mean, that's, that's a, it, it's amazing how, how you know, it, it's, it's the goblin law argument. You know you've lost when you started invoking Hitler. Um, I want to take, take you to the Old Testament here for a second. And uh, when God wants to destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, two angels go in. And the amazing thing about this story is um, uh, they're taken in for shelter, and, and the mob doesn't, the mob is insisting not that they come out and and say everything is OK, what you're doing. Instead, they must participate in what Gomorrah and Sodom and Gomorrah are doing. And we're at that point now. It, it's it's no longer, hey, just let's be good to each other. Hey, that kind of hurts my feelings. Maybe don't say that. Now it's you must say the things I believe and you must participate in it. Yeah, that, that's one of the more disturbing things that's happened is that the way the left has won here is, again, a sort of incremental three-step process. Step one was saying to people, you know, you need to be civil. Just be civil. You know, like when we have a political conversation, don't mention this inconvenient fact because it really insults me and I feel bad about it. So just don't do that. And people on the right and Americans generally tend to want to be civil. And so they're like, okay, I guess I just won't say this quote-unquote offensive thing. Then it turned into, well, speech itself is violence. If you go ahead and you say that, it's not just that I'm offended. It's that you have done an act of violence against me and you must be shut up. You must be silenced. And then that turned even further into, into silence is violence. This is this nonsensical, right. ridiculous thing that you heard during the Black Lives Matter protest last year. If you don't mirror exactly what I am saying, word for word, and I can change it on the time, by the way, right? It doesn't have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. There doesn't have to be an internal logic. If you don't mirror that word for word, you've committed an act of violence. So in other words, if you're not part of the mob, then you ought to be targeted by the mob because you're performing an act of violence. I think one of the ways that the right completely misses the boat is that we're constantly looking for the through line for the left. We're constantly saying, like, what's their internal logic? What are they trying to accomplish? And the answer is power. There right. is no internal logic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben Shapiro, thank you so much. I'd love to have you on for a, a podcast about the book when we have more time. I know you're busy today. The book comes out today, The Authoritarian Moment by Ben Shapiro. Ben, thanks so much. God bless. Thanks, Glenn. You Be bet. Well. Bye-bye. Uh, really good book. Uh, the, the things that I've learned just from hearing him talk about it. And he goes into history in the book. Pick it up today. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Now, exactly what Ben was talking about was we have to have them hear our voices. We have to have these people who are working against us hear our voices. And it's hard to do in some categories, but not when it comes to your mobile service. When it comes to your mobile service, why are you still using Verizon? Why are you still using the people that take their money and fund anti-Second Amendment, pro-abortion stuff? Why are we doing this? Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage. It uses the same cell towers as the major carriers. So you're getting the same service. But they also have plans that fit any budget. You're going to get better customer service. You're going to save money. And you're not, you're, you're sending a message. Do you hear me now? Stop it. I'm not with you. 
PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck, 972-PATRIOT. Do it now. Support a company that loves America, loves and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 972-PATRIOT. Do it right now. All right, it's blazetv.com slash Glenn for Blaze TV, Studios America, Glenn TV, and so much more. Save 10 bucks with the promo code Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program tonight on my Wednesday night special only on Blaze TV. I'm focusing on an alarming new strategy from the White House. It is something that no one is really talking about and everyone should be talking about. Uh, big media has just rubber stamped this idea, and it is it, it was put together by the National Security Council under Biden, and it is a blueprint for sweeping government action, and it's called the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. It's on the WhiteHouse.gov website, and what it spells out is terrifying. It uh, focuses really only on, quote, violent extremists, principally those who promote the superiority of the white race. This has untold implications for the constitutional rights of all Americans. We're already seeing government surveillance systems turning their focus on U.S. citizens. What has happened because of January 6th is obscene. Uh, They have used the banking system. They have used the airlines. And only if you were in Washington, D.C., not because you were suspected of something, but they anyone who bought an airline ticket and was in Washington, D.C., anybody whose credit card went through to process anything in Washington, D.C., they got Airbnb to be involved. This is all unconstitutional. Tonight, Biden's new domestic terrorism threat, you. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on BlazeTV.com and BlazeTV YouTube. Don't miss this. Make sure you uh, uh, use the promo code uh, Beck. Or is it Glenn? Or Glenn. Yeah, yeah Glenn. Use, Glenn. Uh, use the promo code Glenn and uh, save. Right after a brand new Stu Does America. Oh, my gosh. By the way, is it, it must be an important show. You look kind of nervous. I've noticed you you got the, the jitters. You don't normally have that before. You know, a broadcast. you're not really a friend. Do you know that? You're no, not I, really a friend. I share things <laughs> off air and you take it right on air. No, I, well, I am a friend and I'm concerned uh-huh. because I've been doing a I've been doing the show with you for over 20 years yeah. now. Yeah. I was with you in the lead up uh, to a speech in front of 500,000 people uh-huh. in Washington, D.C. Right. And I remember being in the room as you as you wrote that speech, uh-huh. and you were incredibly calm. She didn't show one sign of nerves. And then here's uh-huh. a show, a Wednesday show on Blaze TV. Yeah. I know it's a good yeah. show yeah. right after a brand new Studios yeah. America, but yeah. you seem yeah. a little nervous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, about some upcoming event. I can only mm-hmm. assume it's this Wednesday show. Yeah. Is there anything well, else? It is. Well, it is. It is? it is. It's it is. this show tonight. So nothing else going on this yeah. week, huh? I know uh, you got a Friday show. Is it the Friday mm-hmm. show, maybe? You're such a jerk. Is I it? tell Stu <laughs> off the air, you know I'm a next event guy. And mm-hmm. I don't know if any, I, mean, I have to explain that. I, I only am concerned about what is next on my schedule because my schedule is usually so full mm-hmm. that I can't worry about stuff. I've got to focus on what I'm focused on. So I only get excited or anything when it's next on my schedule. Right. 
This is so far from next on my schedule. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I have I have three shows to produce and two charity events before Saturday. Mm-hmm. Why? What's Saturday? Is there something going Shut on Saturday? Up. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm having my first gallery showing at uh, Park City Fine Art, and I may need a bucket, a barf bucket, <laughs> uh, because I am so nervous. It, this is hilarious, because Glenn is... Yeah, I've done shows with Glenn for a million years. You're never nervous before shows. Like when you have to go out and talk in front of a big audience, you've done it a million times. You I have just to, did it at CPAC. I just did it at CPAC. Two hours before, I hadn't written my speech. And they were like, are you going to write anything down? I'm like, nah, I got it. Right. I got it. You do shows in front of millions of people, obviously, on the radio, on television all the time. This show is going to be in front of a few people. And I'm terrified. And it's selling your art and showing your art to people who may want to purchase it, mm-hmm. may want to enjoy it. They can get a, mm-hmm. you have, they have what prints and all sorts of things. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Theoretically get. yeah. Mm-hmm. But your art is 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 really good. Unfortunately, I would like to say that it sucks. I would like to say this is a Hunter Biden situation that you're clearly selling this for some sort of influence. But right. the, your art is really good, and people seem to really like it. Which I I don't like that they like it. Right. I know to that. be clear, I know I, I don't I like that. That That's, uh, goes to why you're saying this. What you're saying now. No, on well, here. I, well, this is why I'm legitimately curious why you're why you're worried. I mean, you you've people have ar- I don't the, the reaction is already show- really positive to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I don't know if people are going to show up. I don't know if people show up are I know people will show up to be supportive and I love that. Thank mm-hmm. you. But I'm going to you're going to make me barf. Um <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody's going to uh, going to buy it. I have no idea. No idea. And it's like this is so personal. I have no experience at this at all i was talking to somebody and they said do you have like business cards a way for people to get in touch with you to be able to? and i'm like no <laughs> i've worked a, with you for 20 years i don't know how to get in touch with you i know do do you do you have a, a sheet an artist sheet on you know what you're no <laughs> i mean i have no idea like, what i'm doing i just i went into my house <laughs> two years ago Started taking lessons uh, because I was so frustrated. I painted my whole life, and I've I've hated them my whole life. And uh, and then I started taking lessons, and I got good. And much to my surprise, much to my surprise, and mine, and yeah, and everybody really, mm-hmm. they're for sale in a legitimate gallery. Yeah, legitimate gallery. Well, like, what's the name of it again? Park City Fine Art. Park City Fine Art. I yeah. mean. This is pretty impressive. And like I what I like about this moment is there's potential here that this could fail spectacularly and then I will have an incredible amount of material to torture you with. That is what I'm excited happy, about. Doesn't it? Yeah. Really, I, you I are rooting smi- for the <laughs> you can't. You have not stopped smiling this whole entire break. <laughs> because I know there's at least the potential of it. I my guess is it's gonna do really well, and I don't like that. But I think right. there's a potential. That may be. I mean, how many people are out there? I mean, all my proceeds go to charity. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, for this event, everything that I've I've produced for this event is all going to charity. Terrible idea, by the way. I totally don't oh, understand. My it. wife is like, uh, "How long is that going to go?" Because you know how much time you're spending on this, and I'm like, "Well, but yeah, but she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah." And I'm like, okay, okay. I don't know what yeah means, but okay, <laughs> whatever yes. it meant, I'll yes, do. Dear. Whatever you say. Uh, so anyway, so everything this weekend's going for charity. But the, the art world is weird, and they set just prices, and I didn't have anything to do with it, and it was like, 
Wow. But, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, you know, to buy one of these things. And I, th- how many, how many Glenn Beck art fans are there? Three? Well, I've sold three paintings so far. I guess there's three. <laughs> I don't know. And they're, look, they're not Hunter Biden level prices, but they're way up there. Uh, now, there are ways for regular people to buy these two. Because, I mean, the ones you're selling, the actual originals are out of the price range of basically everybody. But, well, well, I mean, I would not say. Not people who run Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> right, right. You did it. You did it. Uh, maybe he could come in. And yeah, buy no, one, I mean, there. But, I know there are lots of listeners that uh, are on the wealthy end, but it takes a wealthy end to buy the originals. Right. Uh, but uh, it's a tax write-off this time. I just want to say. Mm. Uh, the other uh, the the other part of that is um, uh, you, you can buy. I, I, I had them do posters and, you know, yeah, that's uh, cool. limited run stuff. Uh, and then what's called a G-Clay, which is like a limited run. It looks just like the painting, except it's not the original. And those are those are available as well. So there's, way, there's so. ways for I, people I, to be involved. I don't in know it. for sure, but you can call the art gallery or you can come up and, and get it. But and, and this is a very above board uh, sh- art show. What this does that mean? Well, I want to. Be. I mean, we're not. We're not. We're saying, not making the paintings in the back with like Asian no. gulag people. I mean, it's not. It's not what's happening. Here. What are you, they're not from Uyghur death camps. No, they're no. no none of this. No, you the canvas the, has not my, been produced. By Uyghurs. No. My point, though, is I'm interested in your perspective on this because you have basically the only unique perspective, I think, in all of conservative media on this topic, which is you are with a very legitimate gallery. And all of this is these are, you know, you've gone through this process in a somewhat similar way to the Hunter Biden situation. Separate, no, I don't think well, so. Let me let me separate it. Yeah. Though. A, you've been painting for a very long time, and there's yeah. a reason that people would want your art. So right. that's, that's totally yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, would it be easy for some Russian oligarch that wanted to influence someone close to you to come in here and throw a bunch of cash at your paintings and make it seem like they were art fans? I welcome it. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the whole thing. <laughs> If I come on Monday and I'm like, you know what? Authoritarianism, not so bad. You know, Putin's a pretty good guy. Vladimir we'll all P. Be no- bought you all- should know that I don't mean it. I'm just saying because some guy bought up all my paintings. I'm totally cool with but that. But let's just put you in it. You, you, like you're well known for, let's say, being a relative of a highly powerful person here in the United States. This is a way that... This is not like something conservatives are making up. This could happen in this scenario. This is happening. The art gallery or the art, the guy who runs the gallery, he has for the longest time trying to break in to the Chinese market. Okay. The, the Hunter he Gallery. Wants, the not Hunter your gallery. gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Hunter Gallery guy mm-hmm. is the one I've been wanting to break into the Chinese market. They are marketing Hunter Biden's paintings. Not here. They're marketing them in China. Yeah. That's a big red flag. Like, so, I mean, and an actual red flag is right, what I'm talking right, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's clear what's going on there. Right, it's clear. There is, they, they make the argument, some of the people that defend Hunter Biden on this, and they'll say, look, he's a celebrity, and celebrity art goes for more than you'd normally get from for a normal artist. And, like, that might be true. However, like, I think so I'm Hunter a bigger Biden, celebrity. First of all, you're a much bigger celebrity. Secondly, like if Hunter Biden is a celebrity, first of all, it's, it's of the infamous variety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he's a celebrity in the United States of America. Why are you marketing to, marketing China. to China and probably the U- Ukraine and Russia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
these paintings. I mean, it makes no, no sense. sense. It so makes no sense. And this whole thing with him, uh, you know, I've, I'm doing uh, uh, some meet and greet thing with a bunch of the gallery's clients that buy this kind of art uh, tomorrow night. And they're closing down the gallery and a few people are coming. Well, that's what Hunter Biden is doing with the buyers at his gallery. But you're not supposed to know who's buying the art. Well, the only people that are going to that, you know, little soiree are the people interested in buying your art. And they're coming by invitation. It's not like, I'm just going to stop by the They're coming right. by invitation. Mm. So how is it that, Joe, uh, that uh, Hunter Biden is not going to know the people who are buying his art? You know, maybe there's somebody who walks in off the street and is like, I got to have one of those $500,000 paintings. I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, but maybe there is, and he wouldn't know that guy. But if you're going to the cocktail party beforehand, that is by invitation for people who are going to buy the art. Hello? And you don't come. if you're, You already know what the art looks like. You're, you're not coming to the place. Usually. I mean, you have interest. Right. You have interest. Doesn't right. mean you're going to buy it. You have interest. I, this is so bad. It's so bad. There, and I will say this: there's absolutely no chance he does not find out who bought this art. Absolutely, no, it is no the, chance of it. It is the most crass and obvious uh, scam, money laundering scam I've ever. I mean, it's so obvious. Yeah, and I would I would expect Joe Biden in this situation. Honestly, even though I think nothing of the guy. I would think Joe Biden would be on television saying, look, I love my son. He's obviously had massive problems throughout his life. He should know that the problems this creates for the for the work I'm trying to do in Washington that we all believe in. Mm-mm. It's it creates all Mm-mm. sorts of problems. And for a little bit of money in a short term that he's probably going to spend on crack, it's not worth it. Instead, he's he's coming up with justifications as if it's legitimate. Part of it. If your if your paintings are five hundred thousand dollars a piece, okay, you're gonna walk away with five million dollars. You're gonna walk away with five million dollars when it's lot. all said and done. That's a lot of money. It's and if Joe Biden's getting half of it, which apparently the Hunter Biden laptop proves, if he's getting a if he's getting part of it, that's a lot of money for his retirement. And remember. He's Joe Biden is United not States, the guy though. we used to think he was. We used to think he was a very liberal guy, but he was a goofball, etc. He's not. No, he's very he corrupt. He is a very corrupt. And I think the way he's handled this situation is such a strong signal that proves that. All the work that Peter Schweizer's done previously. Remember, before all of this, he was saying Joe Biden was the most corrupt vice president Correct. in American history. Before any of this with Ukraine or anything ever came out. Uh, if you if you're interested in any of the details, it's uh, parkcityfineart.com. They don't sell anything from Hunter Biden. Um, <laughs> relief factor. Maybe it's a round of golf that you want to uh, play. You can't anymore. Get on the floor and wrestle with your kids or your grandkids, and you can't because of pain. I wanted to paint again, and I couldn't. Two and a half years ago, I could barely use my hands from the pain. It's gone now, thanks to relief factor. Things you can't do because you're living with pain. Don't give up. I know there's a ton of people that have gotten free of their pain, like me, with Relief Factor. Just try it. Try it for three weeks, the quick start. If it doesn't work for you in three weeks, it's most likely not going to work. 
So you'll be out 1995. But in those three weeks, if you start to see a lessening of pain, keep taking it because I'm telling you, it works. Relieffactor.com, 800-500-8384. It doesn't work for everybody, but about 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. Relieffactor.com, 800-500-8384. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We are very concerned about one of our own, and um, we would ask for your prayers for Stephen Crowder. Uh, Stephen uh, tweeted something last night. He had a minor lung collapse. He has been in the hospital now for a while. He had to have surgery where they put titanium rods into his chest uh, because he has some connective tissue disorder that uh, causes his chest to cave in on his heart. And so he doesn't have the blood flow that he he needs. So they put these titanium rods into his chest and he was recovering in the hospital. His lung collapsed. He's having more surgery. And we just, uh, we would ask that you would keep him in uh, your prayers. He is a, a tremendous force for good uh, and works all the time, all the time. He is a hardworking man. Uh, and uh, we're concerned about him. He's, he says, Last night, it was a minor lung collapse. I don't know if I ever called those minor minor lung collapse. Uh, and he's going to be on the road to recovery. It's just going to take him longer. This is the Glenn Beck Program.